Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Hey, welcome back to Ciao Bella. Today I'm with Laura Lazzaroni, who is an award-winning journalist, an author, a friend, and also a bread consultant. I'm really excited because today we're going to be talking about the new Cucina Italiana. Hey, Laura. Hi, Erika. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun already. Well, I'm so excited to have you because I met you a few years back, and when I met you, you definitely by far were the most informed food person I had been around in a long time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I, and I, and then, you know, I found out your background was far beyond food because I know you're working with, at the time, I think I met you, you're with Vuomo Vogue, um, mm-hmm. Italy's men's Vogue. I was going to say Vogue. <laughs> and Lari, I know you had worked with Lari Publica and then you became the first editor-in-chief of Food and Wine Italia. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I started seeing your name everywhere as an author as well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know what? Um, It's always been a dream of mine ever since I was a little girl. When people would ask me, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I would always tell them, oh, I want to write books. And, you know, I would get this reaction that you can imagine, like, like only one in a million actually makes it. Uh, that way but you know it, it took a while but eventually I did I published a few books and I'm, I'm very happy about it because truly writing is my my passion in life you know writing and bread you know I, I wear two professional hats um, but yeah and I, I just love writing books um, and the new Cucina Italiana as you said is the latest one and my first in English so it's very exciting to be here and talk about it. Well, that's right. I mean, I know that you have uh, the Altri Grani, Altri Pani. Then I, mm-hmm. I saw the book with Nico Romito. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny because, you know, when I was doing before, before the other, the other day when I was just like making sure I had a list of all your books, I saw this children's book. And I was like, is it possible there's someone with her same name? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? This is a funny bit. Actually, there is a namesake book author, Laura, another Laura Lazzaroni, but she does design. So she, huh. to my knowledge, she published a couple of books uh, about design, curated uh, collection of design essays. Um, I've never met her. <laughs> also, fun fact. Uh, so we don't know each other personally. But yes, uh, the, the children's book that you refer to, Uva Spina, La Scoperta della Vigna, which is a book I co-authored with Francesca Moretti of Bella Vista and with my ah. dear, dear friend, yes, Gianluca Biscalkin, who is a great illustrator and, and truly a, a, one of my best friends. And we did it together. It's a children's book, you know, explaining the world of the vineyard and winemaking, which is my American friend always knows note only in Italy or you know at least only in Europe you can write a children's book about wine right <laughs> yeah exactly you know it kind of it reminds me of I have a really good friend from Calabria Gianluca and he used to tell me that when he was six uh, or like when he started first grade he would go to school he's from outside of Cosenza and he'd go to school and his nonno would give him like the little bottigliette di vino rosso with a little bit of water in it to bring to school. And I, right. you know, I, I thought that was really cute, but then I, you know, I also thought it spoke miles about the wine culture here versus everywhere else, you know, with children. Yep. 
Yep. Only here. <laughs> so, you know, I'm really excited to have you because I, I, the title of your book, when I first saw it, the new Cucina Italiana, that just, um, you had me at hello. I mean, that title, I was like, thank you. Somebody is finally, finally putting into words and beautiful words. I mean, I, I love the way you write um, about you. about the Italian queen cuisine today. And I'd love for you just to give us a quick breakdown before we really get into it of what this book is about. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a journey through contemporary Italian cuisine and also through um, some of Italy's less known and uh, for me, most gorgeous corners, you know, like Abruzzo and uh, um, the, the uh, Murge Plateau in Apulia or Collio in Friuli Venezia Giulia. Um, and it's, you know, you, it, it's the, what I like about it is that it serves two purposes. You can use it as a, sort of like a, a travel guide and guidebook if you want, or you can use it as a, a cookbook. Um, in, in its cookbook uh, uh, identity, it's, uh, um, you know, a snapshot of the state of cooking in Italy today. And, uh, uh, you know, you have to keep in mind that the working title was Kill the Nonna, <laughs> as you know, um, which gives you a sense of the story being told, you know, that's one that challenges the notion of Italian food as inherently tradition-bound and backward-looking. So the thing is that, you know, we love tradition so much and all jokes aside and working title aside, we love our nonne, our grandmothers. And we learned so much from them um, in the kitchen, but we've also emancipated, you know? So some things granted, no one will be able to replicate the way they did and still do. Think of, you know, the spoline and the way they make fresh pasta. Uh, those gestures are, are so ingrained in their hands. And, you know, there's other things, however, that in the kitchen were perfectible when they used to, you know, do them and make them as dishes because they, you know, for instance, they maybe didn't understand 100% the ingredients and what happens in food when, you know, proteins break down. So maybe they would overcook, for instance, meat to make ragu, or, you know, they would use a bit too much condiment. Granted, this is not for all grandmothers, but for many grandmothers, yes. So, you know, our, our young chefs have uh, learned uh, so much from them, but also learned so much since them. Um, and pulling from different sources of inspiration, their travels uh, all over the world, uh, the community of producers in the territory that surrounds them, reconnecting with you know nature, foraging and farming, uh, exploring new techniques in the kitchen, playing with different restaurant formats and playing with mixology, all these you know, pieces of puzzle that come together and build this new mosaic, which of, you know, contemporary Italian cuisine, which is something I always say when I talk about the book to reassure people is equally delicious and comforting as, you know, the, the Italian cuisine that you've come to know and love, but it also brings something fresh and new to the table. And I think this is very exciting. And the reason, the true reason why I, I got the idea for this book is because having 
countless conversations with my friends from all over the world and, and hearing them always reference the same, same dishes, uh, you know, lasagna, tortellini in brodo, mm -hmm. cacio e pepe, <clears throat> and all those dishes, which are untouchable and forever will be, and they're necessary, and they will never go out of style, um, you know, absolutely. But I really wanted to tell them and show them that there is also so much more between Cacio e Pepe and Massimo Bottura. There's a whole world of new Italian cuisine that's worth discovering and exploring and it really plays with such a wide, exciting range of, of formats and experiences. And, and so it's so much fun, even more so now that Finally, even our restaurants are fully reopening. So hopefully people will come from all over the world to to try this new cucina italiana for themselves. So as you're because we can't see each other, um, but as as Laura is describing this book, I have this huge smile on my face. And one of the reasons I, I mean, for many reasons, but one of the reasons I have such a big smile is because, you know, I, I, I it's so it's so timely and so necessary. And I, to have a book like this, because I do, I agree with you. I, I give a lot of friends from around the world who love, love the, the tenets of Italian cuisine um, and they have gotten cult status or they are the monuments, you know, like we were saying before, the Cacio Pepe. For me, I would even add Vitello Tonato. Um, but it Absolutely. is. Second that. Oh, <laughs> I would add a risotto, saffron risotto, risotto and yes. allo zafferano, being Milanese, you know. I was going to say I was, that, that, yeah, you have to. <laughs> um, my husband would agree. Um, but, you know, but on that note, you know, it, and it's as someone who gets to write about Italy to the non-Italian, you know, it, one of the, the, the struggles that I face is helping people kind of get rid of the stereotype and see what the current what 21st century Italy is. And I feel that that's the, that's, you know, the hardest has been within the world of food. You know, everybody's like, I want to get that good carbonara and that good pizza. And it's like, okay, <laughs> and we can go beyond that. And that's one of the reasons I, I love this book. Now, can you, I, you know, I've, I told you I read it. I actually read it twice because um, I just had so much fun. And part of it, you know, I, I read because I love the writing part because I was like, could I make these dishes? And then I was like, no, I, I'm just going to eat them. I'll just keep going out. Um, but, but I wanted to ask you, cause I love how you broke it down into the chapters. You have the chapter on mentors, the chapter on farmers and foragers, the Sunday restaurateurs, the creatives, the pizzaioli. I wanted to ask you um, just if you could just on the more statistical, statistical question, um, how, many, how many chefs did you interview? How many people are included, I guess, and how many different areas are included? Okay, so let's start with the different areas. Um, uh, as you said, it's it's six ma main areas. It's a mentors of farmers and foragers and Sunday restaurateurs, the fine dining creatives, pizzaioli, and the the forces and voices of the neo oh yes, the and, most and, important. And they are I know, right? They're <laughs> they're probably the most popular right now, and and they're also a lot of fun. Um, so. It, the the idea behind this breakdown was, you know, to give a sense of the range, which is what we said at the beginning, because again, between Cacio e Pepe and, and Massimo Bottura, who's like the spokesperson for Italian cuisine in the world, that there is all this. 
So, um, you know, starting with the mentors who are, you know, the two probably most important chefs for young chefs coming up now in Italy, um, who are Nico Romito and Paolo Lopriore. And obviously, Massimo Bottura is, uh, you know, reference and an icon and idol for, for all of them. But if we're talking about mentors who are closer to them, you know, age-wise, then definitely the two people you always, you know, hear referred and and referenced uh, in so many dishes uh, from these young chefs are Nico Romito and Paolo Ropriore. And then we have the farmers and foragers, and this is a super, super fun group, which basically... My, fr my friends are in it. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um I love that even within this chapter, there's such, you know, diversity in terms of styles, you know, and the kind of cuisine that they make. They're all bound together by this concept of either maintaining their own urban farms or, or foraging. And even when they forage, the style is so different. So you have, you know, the Montaruli brothers in Apulia who go out foraging on the Murge, super wild Murge plateau with this, um, you know, uh, elderly uh, uh, guy who, who rides his Gilera motorbike and has huge uh, white mustache, Chichillo. Uh, and he, I love this image of him riding around in his motorbike with like this huge bundle of wild weeds strapped to the back of his bike covering his license plate. And, you know, he's uh, um, someone who's taught these two young brothers everything they know about foraging. So he still goes out foraging in the plateau together. And then they bring everything back to the restaurant and build this delicious, almost 100% vegetable-based uh, uh, menu, which is uh, kind of unexpected in Apulia, right? When you yeah. go out and, and you expect to eat something else. And, and the other unexpected thing about their restaurant um, is that um, they almost never serve pasta because uh, it's something else that you would expect to always find in a Puglia. But they say, you know, we have so much more to offer and it's equally delicious. They make their own bread, which is very good. And the restaurant is called the Mezza Pagnotta. So you go from that to... <laughs> You know, the, the Retro Bottega guys were like rock stars in the center of Rome and they have, you know, their wine bar and they make bread and they make fresh pasta next door. And then they have Retro Bottega, their flagship restaurant, which is so um, creative and contemporary and fun and designy and all that. But they go forage too, um, you know, once a week and uh, between Lazio and Abruzzo and they bring everything back to the restaurant and they have this iconic signature dish of crepinette, which is sort of like, it's like an everything vegetable, uh, elegant meatball. I kind of describe it when, <laughs> when I talk to people, it, it's, it's, uh, it's French inspired, it's, it's gorgeous. If you cut it, it's got all these layers of uh, beautiful vegetables, uh, almost all foraged in the wild. And then you have Alice Delcour, another super interesting story. She's French American. She's married to an Italian sommelier. She's been living in Italy for so long. She worked at River Cafe in London. She loves the cuisines of, you know, the uh, North Africa. Um, the Middle East, the Southeast Asia, and she brings all of this into her um, restaurant, and she knows Italian cuisine inside and out, but she's 
she puts her own personal spin combining all these influences. And I always tell people that I learned how to make a, a great risotto from her. And she's French American. So that should tell you something about, you know, new Italian cuisine. So this is farmers and foragers. And then, you know, the Sunday restaurateurs, which it is another super interesting uh, section of the book. And it plays with this concept of, you know, this sort of like uh, the bourgeois restaurant, right? Which is um, sort of like the, the restaurant that was born in the cities, especially the economic boom of the 50s. It's the classic restaurant with a combination of familiar fare and elegant service. You know, the restaurant that would serve risotto with, by, by, you know, with waiters invest in a bow tie um, and the nicely stocked cellar. It's not fine dining, not quite trattoria. It's kind of something in between. And there are young chefs who are, you know, revisiting this concept too. Um, the fine dining creatives, uh, basically the Michelin star restaurants who are doing elevated, um, you know, contemporary Italian cuisine. But even in that case, it's it's delicious dishes. It's accessible. You don't feel like you need to decode, you know, their dishes. You don't need you don't feel like you. Uh, oh, my God, I should have read five books before coming here. Otherwise, I don't understand the food. This is not a exactly. problem you ever have. I mean, the cool thing about these chefs, even the fine dining creatives, is that it's, it's you know, they have two levels uh, of appreciation of the experience. If you know about fine dining, if you know about all the techniques, so fine. You know, you've, you have an extra layer of understanding and appreciation. But if you don't, or if you don't care about this stuff, you can still go and enjoy a fantastic spectacularly delicious meal i think of you know antonia klugman uh, who is uh, I, I i i always say that she's a frontier woman because she operates out of colio you know among the vineyards of, of colio with the fine wines um she also forages she does lots with vegetables she's on the border with slovenia so she puts her own contemporary personal fun spin on a cuisine that draws so much from so many influences, you know, Eastern Europe, uh, the cuisine of very humble cuisine, poor cuisine done with, you know, less noble cuts of meat, stale bread, um, also cuisine that mixes uh, the sweet with savory, that uses a lot of fruit, for instance, in savory dishes, and she does so much with that. And then, of course, we have the pizzaioli, Franco Pepe and Ciro Oliva, uh, both rock stars, frankly, in their own and both representatives sort of like to, you know, different approaches uh, uh, and, and it both exceptionally, you know, masterful in their pizza so much so that they're now truly known everywhere, but also so connected to their surroundings, you know, the local producers. And I was, I was really happy that they were both from Campania. I know, I know, right? <laughs> and then we have the the forces of the neo-steria and the neo-trattoria because one of, you know, the points that I make in the book is that the, you know, these young chefs, so women and men, are um, doing great work on the, the experience of the restaurant, the format of the restaurant. And uh, uh, probably the most representative format for Italian cuisine is the trattoria. Because it's, it's, you know, the trattoria is where you truly 
uh, you know, quote unquote, educate the masses uh, to the experience of eating and, and to the, the vocabulary of food. And so this is a format where we truly need to uh, invest most of our energies to bring it into you know, uh, the, the contemporary times, uh, uh, you know, moving past the the red and white checkered uh, tablecloths and, and the, the cheap house wine. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. Again, it's the same as uh, with cacio e pepe and carbonara. The important is that uh, access to all these experiences is there. So you can still go to your uh, you know, red and white checkered tablecloths, moms and pops trattoria, or you can try one of the neo trattorie who are doing so much with, you know, um, improving the way they stock their wine cellar, offering cocktails and offering um, a more nuanced experience uh, with uh, exceptional research on uh, local products, uh, best ingredients, um truly again reinterpreting uh, uh, our beloved classics and and injecting everything with something new that comes from again inspiration can come from anywhere and the foundation of everything is having this very solid technique that allows them to maybe serve a delicious plate of pasta that's also incredibly light because uh, you know the evolution of the technique is now allowing them to uh, make delicious tomato sauce with half fat content for instance or to truly preserve all the nutrients uh, in the vegetables or, or truly cook meat in the best way possible um, according to what animal or what cut of meat you're using or truly, truly know how to source fish in a sustainable way. And all this uh, ends up on the plate and delicious bites that are good for you, you know, good for the community of producers, good for the environment. Um, there's truly this awareness and the experience is, is uh, curated so well so that you truly have the trattoria experience where there's a perfect dialogue between front of house and, and kitchen and, and customers feel like they're, you know, clients feel like they're part of it. They're part of a big family. At the end of the day, it's the experience that counts, right? So this is basically all the book. It's, it's and you were asking how many chefs, it's 34 chefs and restaurateurs. In some cases, for instance, uh, um as in uh, consortio and banco who are two of the examples of the neosteria and neotrattoria um they're in turin uh, the the two owners of pietro vergano and andrea guerra are restaurateurs but they're not in the kitchen so it's a it's a mix of chefs and and restaurateurs, restaurateurs. in the book yeah yeah and restaurateurs exactly you know, one of the things that I, I really love about the neo Asteria and neo Trattoria, um, I always call it, like, I've, I've been calling it in my head, Trattoria V2, like the upgrade, because I think, I don't even think the upgrade is really what I, I don't mean it's as an upgrade. I just mean it as it's, you know, I, and I think that's one of the things that you capture in that chapter and you capture actually in the book overall is that, you know, yes, the, the traditions, anybody can find the traditions, the mom and pop, the greasy spoon, that kind of thing. But we also have to remember that there, there are new eyes 
and new mm. perspectives in the kitchen that are reflecting, you know, whether they're talking about sustainability or, you know, they're reflecting what's what's going on right now. And that's why there's there are these neo austeria because they're just speaking the language of today. And and I think it's really important to see that I'm, I'm happy. You know, there are some places where I live in Rome that are that have been the same way for the past 50 years. There's an austeria that I yeah. love and I, and I love that. I don't want that to go away, but I also love seeing someone that's I, I love going to a, a neo trattoria or neo osteria that's young and I'm seeing it through their eyes, how they see their food, how they see, you know, the how they've interpreted the evolution, because, you know, a few things, a few kind of keywords that I saw coming through was emancipation, evolution, a quiet revolution you mentioned in your book. And, and that's what's happening. You know, it's it's not it's not a resistance. It's not a fight yeah. against. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's it's done with the utmost respect, truly. Um, but, you know, the, the references have changed in the meantime. Also, there's something that many people don't uh, realize, which is that when we talk about our nonne, right, our grandmothers, you have to think about what which generation you're thinking of. For many of these young chefs who are maybe not even 30, uh, their grandmothers weren't, you know, um, in the kitchen cooking all day long. Uh, exactly. They're they're young. <laughs> they're relatively they're younger. young grandmothers. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably they're probably a little older than I am. So, I mean, um, they they would maybe not cook at all, or you know, they were busy doing something else and they, there's nothing wrong with it but it's just that these young chefs for instance can't reference their own grandmothers maybe they will reference their great grandmothers but my point is basically what you just said which is that it's important to say that one uh you know one language doesn't mean that the other is no longer relevant they coexist and just make for a much richer and more exciting experience and we all have you know our favorite no fuss places that have been like that for like 30 years and haven't evolved at all and maybe you know maybe the food is not even all that great but you go there because you feel it's at nostalgia it's 10 out of 10 exactly exactly <laughs> It's absolutely fine. And also, if people are only coming to Italy, you know, once or twice in their lifetime and all they want to eat is just cacio e pepe, tortellini, risotto, cotoletta alla milanese, it's absolutely fine. And <laughs> they should do it. I just want people to know that they have other options if they're willing to explore them because this is what's out there. And one of the other things that I always say about the book is that it, this is not the definitive, like, encyclopedia about contemporary Italian cuisine. The cool thing is that the book is the tip of the iceberg. There's so much going on. Like, you know, since for since we wrapped up um, photographing and doing interviews and testing recipes, there's new restaurants that have opened, you know, uh, in this direction and, and more will open. And, and there's others that I haven't included because they kind of fell, you know, they, they would have fallen within the same categories and be maybe redundant, but it doesn't mean that they're not worthy. They're fantastic. I mean, in all regions of Italy, there are restaurants who are truly doing an exceptional work with um truly upholding our tradition, but also bringing into the, the modern era and making people happy and, and feeding them right. And, and I think that this is fantastic. And what I also like is that 
you know, there's no restaurants without people behind them. This is a true fact, and this goes for all, you know, culinary traditions all over the world. It's the people who make the restaurants and the stories of these young women and men from north to south, I think, are also phenomenal. Um, their paths are so interesting and unusual. Their ideas are are so, uh, you know, strong and and uh, um, in a, in a way incendiary. And their passion is all consuming. And they, if you know them, you truly love. You can't but love them. So. This is a love letter to all of them. And I think it's a beautiful, I think, you know, it's funny because I I think it's a great love letter. And, you know, in the beginning you were saying, and also in the beginning of the book, it's like, you know, this can be used as a cookbook. This can be used as a guidebook. I also view it as, you know, I I kind of felt like I was taking a peek in different stories of different people. So like, I I don't know, to me, it was also a storybook or it also is, but a real life storybook and um, about people that are. that I could potentially meet, that I could talk to. I mean, I really, that's what I also really enjoyed about every single person, every single team that you brought up, you know, because I I really felt that I got to know the stories and I've already kind of bookmarked the the restaurants I'll be going to. I mean, it's it's just kind of, I was was really, I really, the the book really excites me because I think the stories you're telling are exciting. The people are incendiary, like you're saying, and the writing is great. Now, Uh, I have a quick question for you because I know that you're an accomplished bread consultant, which... I really just hope you, you, that's like you're the only thing you ever have on a business card because I think it's the best. I want you to call it ABC, accomplished great consultant. Um, Ooh, I love that. I'm good. I'm good at these things. Um, And I know that, you know, I know you're specialized in heritage wheat. Now I just wanted you to tell our listeners a little bit about what that means and what you as this ABC has coming up. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, basically, what I do is I specialize in you know so-called old varieties of wheat, which are um, the 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 varieties of wheat that have been um, selected by the agronomists of, of the Green Revolution at the beginning of the last century, and the whole world has you know their own old varieties. But the interesting thing about Italy is that we have so many, right? Because of our history, agricultural history, and you know of the fact that we make so much pasta and bread, we've developed so many varieties, uh, both of durum wheat and uh, and bread wheat, common wheat. And they, um, you know, they're still, uh, the seeds are preserved in, in seed banks and seed vaults and they've, they've regularly sown and, and harvested. And so they're, they've maintained in cultivation. And um, there's those varieties and then there's evolutionary populations of wheat, which are my favorite. And they're, uh, you know, big mixes of hundreds of different varieties of both old and and modern wheat in the field they grow together they mix and mingle and over time they adapt to the environment even in dire conditions they grow well um and they evolve and the cool thing about you know without getting too specific and too much you know they don't want to do a deep dive into the (laughs) botany or genetics of these varieties which have you know also some problems and and um but also great benefits so 
Um, the main benefits are the are, uh, nutritional benefits. Uh, uh, they're so full of good nutrition that so their gluten is weaker than uh, that of modern varieties. So they're overall better for you. And also because of, you know, the, the structure of the plant, um, they reflect their terroir so well so that the aromas that they develop when mixing and baking is so complex and truly reflecting the, the soil that they were grown in so much so that, for instance, you can pick very specific notes and markers and almost be able to identify a variety a specific variety for instance many sicilian varieties of you know all varieties of durham wheat have this sort of um uh, licorice and chamomile um <laughs> as secondary notes uh, uh, which which come from uh you know some weeds that grow in the fields near near them so this is fascinating and so Basically, over time, I've, you know, I've come to know these varieties, working with the local agronomists and farmers and also bakers. I have a degree in biology, so I guess it all goes back to that. And yeah, I was uh, going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, I started at first, I started writing about them and then I started baking with them. And then one thing led to the other and I became a, a bread consultant. So then now I have, I truly have two hats two professional hats. And so as a bread consultant, basically I consult with bakeries and restaurants who want to sort of like elevate their bread game a little bit and also do uh, you know, more you know, deeper research on uh, the flowers that are available in, in their territory, in their area. And so we work together to build uh, new products and find new flowers. And this is a, a lot of fun. And so after the first bread book that I published, um, which you mentioned, Altrigani, Altripani, which was more about, you know, these old varieties of wheat and evolutionary populations of wheat and bread. I'm now uh, about to publish a second bread book, which is more technical. It's more of a manual. And it's called the Formula del Pane, and it's going to be published in September by Giunti. So it's pretty exciting, and this is like a, <laughs> a sort of like a, a preview of, of of the book. Uh, and it the idea is to basically transfer to the home baker everything that I've learned working, you know, in professional uh, bakeries, and restaurants, and there's a um you know there is a the format of the book is is uh, i think pretty unusual and pretty new so i can't say too much about it but i can guarantee you that it's going to make many home bakers happy that much i can say well i'm i can't wait for that to come out i'm hoping that it'll also be available at some point in english um Yep. So I, I, I want so too. If there's hint, any, you know, <laughs> intent out any, there, um, yeah. I want to. I want to ask you. I'm going to ask you a question that you're going to be like, "Die, Erika." Um, were you <laughs> Were you baking a lot during lockdown? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it was so much fun. Look, I mean, you know, we all had to cope with the limitations and the pressure of lockdown and so my way of doing it was just just uh, bake even more than I normally used to do 
And but the fun thing is that it it's it worked as a connector. So many people contacted me through Instagram. Um, you know, asking for tips and recipes and so much so that it gave uh, me and, and the, the good people at Junti Academy the idea to do an online masterclass, which we did last year. Oh. Yeah, we're going to repeat it this year as well. Um, to teach people how to bake a loaf of sourdough um, online, which is something I never thought could work because I tend to associate the experience of baking with something like in person, you know, right. hands on, but it can also be done online, even though in my opinion, it's, it's always better to do it in person. But yes, I have been baking up a storm. I baked so much that then we decided to do another book and we did it basically in six months. <laughs> so, so you baked up a book. Baking, baking. Yeah, I baked up a book and I baked up a bread club as well. I have like a very small because I don't have much time, but I have wait, a very small. You have a bread, bread club, club too. <laughs> yeah, I have a bread club in Milan. It's like, it's, it's for like a a small group of mostly friends honestly but they subscribe to it they're very sweet <laughs> they subscribe to it and so i have it when i can i do it once a week um and i i bake bread for them and it's always you know something different with all yeah. the flowers that i have what kind of oven to. do you have well i have a i mean i have a it, it's not a, a bread oven it's it's a home oven but i have a six burner stove so it's a very big oven okay and i can bake yeah a few loaves at a time and um yeah it's it's a lot of fun listen it's it's a one thing that kept me sane probably that and you know a lot of uh, virtual aperitivos uh, as <laughs> everybody else so it's i'm very happy to say goodbye to for now ciao virtual aperitivos. i am so happy i mean i i, the, um, I, I wish we could be doing this I, I'm, I'm happy to say goodbye to everything i wish we could be doing this in person but you do live in milan and i am in rome um yep <laughs> so i guess we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna have to meet for a real aperitivo when we can oh yeah oh yeah so I want to I want to let everybody know um, some details where we can get your book. Um, you can find it on Amazon, the new Cucina Italiana. You can also find it on Rizzoli USA, correct? Exactly, and uh, you can find it if you're in Italy. You can also find it uh, in selected bookstores that you know offer the service of ordering international books. Uh, if you're in Milan, you can find it at uh, Rizzoli Galleria. Oh, I love um, that place. Yeah, which is near Piazza del Duomo. And, and actually, there's a few autographed um, copies that I signed yeah, a few weeks ago. So if you know if you want, you can have those as well. And I always like to tell people to, if they can, to support, honestly, independent bookstores because I love them. So, you know, if you're in the Good. States, if you're in Italy, you know, ask for the book, ask them if they can order it for you. If they don't have it, but try and support indie bookstores because they're our heart. Now, if everybody wants to find out more about Laura, you can, if you go to her Instagram, which is Laura Lazzaroni, double Z, um, I'm going to spell it out afterwards as well, underscore. You can, she has a link, a link tree link, which I love because <laughs> um, it's like, it breaks it down. It's like, here are the reviews. Here's what I'm doing. Here's where you can get the book, wherever you are. And um, here's Bread Consulting. The, again, <laughs> ABC. So um, on her Instagram, or or you can just go to Linktree backslash Laura Lazzaroni. Um, and I'll be sharing all of this information also at the end of the podcast and on my website. So everybody can find the book, 
go to a local bookstore. Um, I hope, you know, I hope if, if I may um, add something, I also hope they'll cook out of the book. I mean, cook from the book is important to me because uh, it, it kind of brings a flavor of this new cucina italiana to your home, especially if you're not in Italy. It's a good way of sort of getting acquainted with it. And I have, you know, tip. Um, the book is obviously pulls from all sorts of restaurant styles. So some recipes are a bit more complex and require a bit more time and maybe also a bit more practice in the kitchen. But others are super easy and doable. Um, so don't be scared. Keep in mind that they have all been tested and for the you know home kitchen. Uh, so they can be done at home. And I actually um, hope you will and encourage you to try your hands at them because they're a lot of fun and delicious. Well, actually, I was just, I mean, there are a few. There's that, the Cotaletta broccoli, I think, that I oh, want to yeah. try. Or is it, is oh. it broccoli? And, yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, it's Romanesco. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of recipes. And then, I, you know, it's so funny because I didn't catch this the first time. There's also, the, there's a cocktail. In the midst of this whole book, there's a cocktail yep. recipe. Yep. Oh. There's, there's actually two. Hey, thanks for listening to Ciao Bella. Thanks for listening to this great conversation with Laura Lazzaroni. You're definitely going to want to read her book, The New Cucina Italiana, what to eat, what to cook, and who to know in Italian cuisine today. You can find it in bookstores across the globe and on the internet, including Community Bookstore in Park Slope, Brooklyn, one of my favorites on the East Coast. Keep up with Laura on Instagram at lauralazzaroni underscore. That's L-A-U-R-A-L-A-Z-Z-A-R-O-N-I underscore. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafirpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafirpo. Ciao, Bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Dis to Dis Studios, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great. 